I literally just saw the article about it minutes before we started recording. Um, somebody sent it to me like very excitedly. The person I saw Megan with was like, "Hey, here it is. We got now. We got to watch the unrated one." Um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like it was announced basically as soon as this got any kind of traction, and the big like story was, ah, but it's not bloody enough. It's PG thirteen. Like they assured everybody right away, like there's an unrated right. cut coming. Because it seemed like uh, once once the the TikTok hive saw that dance, yeah. and I don't blame them. Like it exploded on the internet. And, you know, teenagers are doing it like, well, you know, this is our, these are our selling points. So we should actually try to get them in the theater. Let's cut it down. It was a huge hit. I loved it. I thought it was so fantastic. Oh, yeah. I would go see it in theaters again if they had the bloody cut too. Yeah, same. Yeah, same here. I absolutely would. I mean, like, I, I I feel like too, it would, I mean, it it just makes good business sense because I think people would go see it again. It's a short movie. Like, it's. Just right. ride that buzz as much as you can, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, there's some limited releases of it here or there, you know? Oh, I'm saying this, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm automatically regretting it, because companies would just start doing that. Like, hey, let's, let's put out this movie. Uh, you know, it was okay. Well, hold on, let's see this version of it. <laughs> and then it just continuously happens. Hey, you know what? If it gets people back into theaters, I, I'm all for it. As long as they're not going to AMC theaters. That's the only... Also, did you see that little clip of fucking Spielberg jacking off Tom Cruise about yeah, like, yeah. getting people back into theaters? I mean... I, I mean, sure. Is he wrong? Is he wrong? Like... People are coming out to see Cruise. Like, that's that's the thing. And it's, like, th- how long has it been since a movie like Maverick came out? It's just, like, a straightforward, fun, exciting action movie. And it ran for, like, seven or eight months. Like, it was in theaters for so fucking long. And at the top of the fucking box office for so long. Like, I don't think anything's hey, had that hold for a long time. Uh, let's, let's give Avatar a couple more months. You never know. That's true. Is that still playing in places right now? I'd have to uh, it's look. still played by me. I okay. it just went off of IMAX because of Quantumania. <laughs> something okay. Uh, something I I thought of mentioning, but then decided at first it wasn't worth bringing up. But then because Avatar came up, I think I am going to bring this up. Random thing yesterday, I get a notification from Reddit. I barely use Reddit these days. Like it's just I don't go there anymore. Like you know, it's kind of fallen off for me. Got bored of it. Whatever. Um, all my movie talk moved to Discord basically. But uh, ah. where I can more curate who the fuck I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a reply to a comment I made 10 years ago around the times of the Oscars. And people were talking about um, the Hurt Locker winning Best Picture. And I guess like it was some interview about it. For, you know, so this is 2013 or uh, 20. Yeah, 2013. I made this comment. So two year, uh, three years after it won Best Picture over Avatar. And the post is about how, oh, it was BS to give it to a woman director just because it was time, which I don't think was the case. I think it was just because, mm. you know, Hurt Locker is a, like, very well-made and well-directed movie. Bigelow right. was a name who had been around for a long time. And it, I feel like... It had a message that was, yeah. like, succinct for that time. It's the of, end like, It's the end of the decade weary. where we yeah. launched this fucking war that had no end in sight at that point. Like, it, it just hit all these these marks to like win best picture and so my comment and though, lily yes Oof. exactly oh yeah 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 
you're telling me Anthony Mackie in that too. <laughs> you know, um, but so so many fucking Marvel people. I didn't realize that now. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god! And what's his name? The guy that um, we love. We talked about him before. Uh, he shows up and he's just like, "You're a badass!" Like to Jeremy Renner. Um, great actor, David something. David Harbor? No, no, no. He's got like white hair. No. He's usually like got shorter buzzed hair. He's in The Rock. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah. My my comment was like, you know. Oh, was that the Inglorious Bastards year? That would have my that would have been my pick for best picture. And then I finished my comment saying, "Just be thankful it wasn't Avatar." I don't remember being anti Avatar at the time, but I guess I was. Maybe I was just anti it winning best picture. But then this to guy replied core, to baby. me, "Yeah, oh, it's it's buried in there." But then this guy replied to me a decade later, saying, "Why would Avatar win when it was released a year later? It's not to it wasn't a two thousand eight movie." So. He decides to reply to a comment that is 10 years old, getting all of his facts wrong. Because those were all released the same year, hence why they were all up for Best Picture at the same time. It just struck me as one of the weirdest things. Like, Don't you just love it when it's like, you have the fucking internet at mm -hmm. your fingertips. As you're typing this to me, you could double check your facts. You could look this shit up yourself, but no. Getting it wrong and You're also, forcing me to get mad at you. I mean, you can see the date of when it was posted. It's a 10-year-old comment. <laughs> like, even if you think I'm wrong, why do you feel the need to come try to correct me 10 years later? What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it was just a little weird thing that happened. I was just more I was more amused by the but my avatar dislike I didn't even remember. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Honestly, it sounds like you're dealing with a crazy person, which is the most wonderful (laughs) transition we'll ever make on this podcast. Hello, welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host, my name is Michael from Portland, everyone calls me Murphy, I have a lovely co-host with me. Hello, my name is Greg from Los Angeles, hi. Hello, and we talk about horror movies uh, with a new theme each month. We just wrapped up February, Monster Love, all things human, monster, 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 you know, generally hot and heavy. Although, it is funny, we usually, it's it's almost subconsciously, we, we pick a movie that kind of like melds in with the previous theme. Yeah. Is this not the... I don't want to say sexiest movie we've ever watched. The horniest movie... <laughs> we've ever watched it's probably up there that this one and maybe shivers right shivers is one it's I, hard to be i don't think shivers was as misogynistic as this one uh no. but <laughs> well thankful, here's the I thing cronenberg's a good guy yeah yeah here's the thing though this movie and misogyny have an interesting relationship i would say uh there's a lot of <laughs> you could give the director the benefit of the doubt in a lot of regards to the story of this one and you know what? Well, I feel like well, let's get to the theme of this month, and we'll talk about this more. Sure, sure. Uh, since it's March, we are talking about Maniac March movies with uh, serial killers, uh, just deranged people. No supernatural aspects on their side. There might be a little debate at the end of this one, but <laughs> I'm very heavily in the camp that it's not. This is all straightforward. Just uh, a knife. Or more likely, a chainsaw, because we're talking Pieces from 1982, directed by Juan Pacor Simon. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. That sounded right to me. 
but he is also one of the writers, along with Dick Randall, Roberto Lola, and Joe D'Amato. And Joe this D- was, oh, I didn't know Joe D'Amato had anything to do with this. That's 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 what it said on wow. uh, IMDb. This was originally released in August 1982. The U.S. release date, and I did not know this, is September 23rd, my birthday. Yeah, 1983. So like four years before I was born. Nice. It's like the stars align perfectly, and they knew like four years later. A pervert will be born. <laughs> the reincarnation of the killer in pieces. <laughs> oh God! Uh, but I mean, I, was, I do like jigsaw p- puzzles. I mean, that maybe that's mm, in me. Oh God! Mm, maybe we're putting together a jigsaw puzzle of our own here today. Uh, so I was just going to say about like misogyny in this month. It's going to be all over this month. Like, I mean, when we talk about like serial killers, non supernatural ones, so these are typically going to be movies. Uh, I mean, I have advanced notice of what some of these are going to be. Um, and I know it's not the case for all of them, but typically it, it's going to be like young or not young, but like it's just going to be sexually frustrated men are going to be the, <laughs> the people we see sure. in these movies. And so it's going to come up a lot this month. And also that we're talking about like this ending in a weird possibly fantastical way also not exclusive to this movie like these movies will do that like you know um because you want you want something fun to go out on and yeah it, this one even seems like they ended it and then they were like you know what we, we need one thing we need one more, more thing they're like right. remember it it was like you remember the end of carrie we should just do that or the end of right. every other slasher i mean like it's just the staple of the of the genre so the movie's only 85 minutes, so them adding that last little bit is like two minutes, so yeah. that's 83 if, to 85 if, minutes. If, if even two minutes, it's like literally 30 seconds, but it makes right. such an impression. Um, I love this movie. Had You you had seen this before, picking it, correct? I, I had seen this before. I think we talked okay. about it. I bought it as a teenager, must have been, right. in a three-pack, and I was scouring my brain, and I know one of the movies with Death Machine... I honestly think the other one might be Leviathan with Peter Weller. Oh, okay. But of those that pack, I pretty much only watched pieces. And I watched pieces and I was like, you know, this is fine. I'm going to keep watching it because there's some nudity in this movie. Leviathan was was one of those like underwater movies that came out. Yes. In 89, right? There was like. Like around the abyss. After the abyss came out. And then what's the, the, the Deep Water Rising, whichever one with Miguel uh, Ferrer? Death Machine. No, no, no. There's or, talking about underwater movies. Uh, there's one uh, with Miguel Ferrer that came out the same year. Oh, yes. Um, deep, yeah, Deep Water. Something yeah, I like remember that. that. Cause it's got the, yes. the, the poster is like the, like a scuba the diver. Suit, yeah. But it's like cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun movie. There's also Sphere a little later. Mm. The the underwater had a hot run there for a second, you know. Yeah. Um. We talked about Jim about James Cameron before we recorded, and he would no we no we did that was going to record <laughs> back to Cameron. <laughs> all things um, Cameron. Yeah, he original yeah. title of this podcast: All Things Cameron. <laughs> so yes, pieces. I I love this movie. I think I first watched it with the Joe Bob's Brig, Joe Bob Briggs presentation a couple years ago in the Last Drive-In. And I have watched it several times since then because I just I find it very very rewatchable and entertaining. So like, uh, it was not a chore at all to, to watch this yet again for the podcast. 
I will give you that. It is very entertaining. I did watch it twice. I'm not as high as you, but I think there is a lot of gold in this movie. Yeah. I find, like, um, talking about this director, Juan Picur-Simon, um, I've seen two of his other movies. He also did Edge of the Axe, another slasher. Which I just that, watched. Yeah. Uh, not as hot in that one as I am on pieces. You know, it was fine. No. It's got, it's got some it's cool not. moments. There's a there's a car wash sequence that that was pretty fun. Um, That's pretty neat. It also has one of our favorite movie tropes of... Hollywood computers that can do basically whatever you need. Oh my god! To. And the voice on the computers is so good. Oh yes, like it's absolutely bizarre. Um, but his other movie that's worth seeing that I that I have seen uh, is Slugs. Have you seen Slugs from? I have not, but the, I I know that like poster. Talking about sleazy trash, you almost cannot get sleazier than than Slugs. Like it is. Uh, next level even beyond pieces i would say um it is like horny and out of its mind and like depraved but very fun <laughs> very fun movie especially with the sounds right people. up my alley like, yeah yeah oh, totally at some point we'll do like an environmental or like animal attack horror month like jaws ripoffs basically where you just pick well, an animal yeah. and make a horror movie out of it grizzly grizzly ticks i think there's one called ticks ticks um, yeah uh orca Orca. You ever saw Orca? Hey, I mean, like, I got the poster back here, but Alligator, like, you oh, know, yeah. plenty of great options. That maybe, maybe that one could be, there's so many options we might have to, like, do a couple of those. <laughs> um, those would be fun. Um, let's go over just a little bit of the cast real quick. Yeah, cool cast in this one. Uh, we have Ian Sarah as Kendall, our main hot boy protagonist. <laughs> There is Linda Day George as Mary Riggs, a tennis champion slash undercover cop. <laughs> uh, we oh. have Edmund Purdom as the Dean. I don't know if I ever actually got a real name, but he never he doesn't get dean. a name. Well, right. no, we know we know his name is Timmy, right? Okay, I mean, well, right. we're giving it away, but yes, yeah. Um, we have Jack Taylor as Professor Brown, who we just talked about. He's also in the Edge of the Axe, right? very he's he's got a insane look to him he really does that i, re- I, mean, I really love in this movie yeah uh the only two other ones i really want to call out because there's a lot of like lower people um all of the victims are are kind of just whatever here but you have george or excuse me christopher george as lieutenant bracken yes. the head of the cop i'm gonna talk about him trying to smoke sec, a cigar yeah. but like no one has a match mm-hmm. um and then you have Award for Creep of the Century, Paul L. Smith as Willard, Willard. otherwise known as as Groundskeeper Willard. Yes. Or Willard, as the Dean likes to say. Willard. Well, it's because he strangely has a British accent. Willard, yeah. Uh, So a couple things I want to bring up here. First, I think we could segue right into, like, what else we've been watching, reading that's non-horror, whatever. Because... I literally the day before I watched rewatched pieces did not plan this, but I watched another Paul L. Smith movie that is my recommendation for non horror. Wow! Yeah, I, I didn't expect it, and I only kind of recognized him because he does. I don't think he has a beard in the one I watched. Um, I mean, but then you see the size of him, and you're like, okay, it's the same guy. Uh, yeah. But I watched He's Sam. Like, <laughs> it's like Shrek's body. Basically. Yes. Exactly. 
Um, he so Paul Smith. He was also known for playing Bluto in the pop Robert Altman Popeye movie, which really? like yes, I mean amazing casting there. Uh, anyway, I watched wow. Sam Raimi's Crime Wave, um, his follow up to oh, The Evil Dead, right. written by the Coen Brothers. Have you seen right. that before? I have not. Um, it was on like one of the streaming services, and I was like, you know, I should watch this, and I never did. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you look up reviews for it, and even like contemporary reviews on Letterboxd and things like that, and like people love to talk about how annoying it is and like how obnoxious it is, but. It's like a live action Looney Tunes. It's Joe Dante kind of stuff. Like okay. it's it's so silly and it's really fun and like I even people talking about like, oh there's no narrative cohesion, but I'm like who cares? It's like it's like a Tom and Jerry thing. Like it's, you know, yeah. it's not really important really. What's important is that it's got amazing physical gags. The entire sound effects library was literally taken from the Three Stooges. Like, they just recorded Three Stooges episodes off of a TV, and all the sound effects are Three Stooges sound effects. Like Wonderful. There's Bruce Campbell is in it. He's he's a minor character, but he has, like, he's, like, this kind of, like, bad boy, you know, like, like, uh, like, kind of male, like, uh, sleeping around, like, you know, picking up women kind of, kind of guy. Um, and a playboy, Jesus Christ. So... He's got sound effects anytime he, like, smiles and points at somebody and makes, like, a gunshot noise. And there's just a scene where he's, like, hitting on a lady and they're both doing it just back and forth. And it's oh, so wow. it's so funny. It, it's great. I laughed a lot. Um, Brian James, who is one of the replicants in, in um, Blade Runner, he is one of the, like, two exterminators alongside Paul Smith. And is he, like, the first one? Yeah. That's, like, getting interviewed? He's, he's okay. got, like, long... Yeah. In this movie, he's got, like, long curly hair. And a beret, so he looks like the mom from the Goonies. But um, <laughs> but he is fucking insane in this movie. Paul Smith oh. is in it, and Paul Smith is entirely dubbed. His voice is insane in it. Like It's just a wild time. And the Coen brothers could remake it today as a serious crime drama without changing a single beat of the script and win an Oscar. Like It is just a classic Coen brothers crime story, too. You know, it's It's so good. I think it's very telling that you relate it to the mom from the Goonies and not Mama from Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> Isn't her name like Estelle Getty mm-hmm. or something? Uh, Estelle I Getty think... is uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is Estelle Getty. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew it was some old woman. There was but... a lot of weird mom stuff going on in the late 80s, early 90s like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's always in the zeitgeist. You know, um... What was the shit? Uh, Seth Rogen Babs movie? Oh yeah, the um, road trip, road trip, or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It still hits. I mean, and hey, we're gonna, maybe we ourselves are talking about some mom content later this month. Actually, a lot of mom Who content knows? coming up this month. Now that I think knows? about it, actually, some mom content in this one right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it in one second. Uh, my recommendation is I went to the oscars nominated animated shorts yesterday that's right yeah i'm doing live action today and documentary on monday but the animated ones were really cute uh the two that i'll all name out were the ice merchants which was like french and czechoslovakian maybe um it was it was a, a silent or you know i guess no dialogue in in the whole short but it was just it was beautifully animated. It has a very touching story. Um, honestly, I think that's the one that's going to win. But the one that I think I enjoyed the most is called 
an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. And wow. it's a stop animation. Uh, it's so hard to explain without giving it away, but it's kind of like a story within a story. It's almost um, like The Matrix and like some other movies that are like really give you this idea of existential dread of am, am I real? Is this all like reality? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's very fun. It <laughs> plays with it so well. It And even the way that it like visually tells you the story is so good because for like a, the beginning of it is you see the stop animation stop animation studio behind it you're focusing on the little camera that they're shooting but you see like the man like fast motion but like moving everything um and it's just it was very beautiful very touching it's australian so it's got this weird sense of humor to it as well oh boy uh i i i would love that one to win but i don't think it will right uh all the other ones were really fun too how is my year of dicks? I mean, title it's, alone, it uh, catches it's your eye. Interesting, honestly. After walking out of it, it felt so like Richard Linklater. Ooh, okay. And I don't know if that's just because of it's it's takes place in the nineties in Houston, <laughs> so it, it has this like weird early nineties Texas energy yeah um it's very sweet though it it really is um it's not very like explicit but it is funny it it's the last one and it puts up like a 30 second hey this this movie or this short is you know explicit blah 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 and you know if you should leave now if you have children or whatever and there was a guy who had like two children that had to leave the theater Oh man, I, I just on. I just realized that is a nice thing to do every year with your kids to take them to see all the Oscar animated, Oscar nominated animated shorts. Like that's a cool dad activity. Um, it is just funny that it is the, the there is one that's like no, we can't let you watch this one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have to do better about seeing those things and like the documentaries and stuff like that too. Um, I did manage to go to the theater last night and see All Quiet in the Western Front, um, which. Boy, there was maybe four of us yeah. in the theater, and oh, like boy. by the end of it, like not even by the end of it, just like sporadically throughout the movie, just audible, just like discomfort and like agony in the audience yeah. because, um, holy shit, uh, that is intense. And like the ending, all I, all of us in the theater were crying, like you know, um, um, what do you think of that three note score? Great. Oh, score was awesome. I, I really enjoyed the score. I thought it was pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah, I definitely yeah. picked up on it, and I remembered it during the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, Murph mentioned the, the Rina score. Yeah. And then, uh, like, what, and then it's, it, you know, it starts, and then you're like, fuck, something's, things yeah. are going bad. It's, but even, uh, let me even then, myself. There, oh, it was really impressive when, like, there's a part where it's playing over, it's a war movie, so it's not a spoiler to say, you know, people we get attached to die. But, like, uh, two characters are ta- are walking and talking and like the the score is playing and it's kind of ominous and then when it score cuts out is when i felt the tension start to build because then it's just quiet and you're like well yeah they're making space in the soundtrack for a gunshot to go off i just know it so like you know that's um, a good point i i, I thought I that really, was fantastic i really like the older guy that's like coaching Kat, them right or, yeah cat is know. great and he was a character yeah. i read the book when i was in high school and like that was a character that really stuck with me 
And so I was really happy to see um, like an actor just fucking kill it in that role too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say there is, I've been reading other reviews of this too that agree with me on this. Like my, I, I do have a sticking point in, I, I read the book over a decade ago, like 15 years ago at this point, probably. So like, if not even longer, how old am I? I don't remember. But uh, there's a excellent section of the book where uh, Paul gets to go on leave and return home to his village for a little okay. bit. And it is, I, that is the most memorable thing about the book to me is him returning home in the middle of it. And then knowing he has to go back out at a certain point too. And coming home to learn that the village is exactly the same, but he is like a completely different person. Uh, yeah. Just for like the few months he's been out at war. And like, but while he's home, there's a section where he has to talk to the mother of a friend of his that died. And the glasses it is, boy. Uh, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember in the book. I also was kind of looking into it a little bit. I think all the names are changed too. So it's like, oh. you know, it's hard to tell. But uh, he's talking to somebody's mother and like, I just remember reading this as a high schooler, and it was one of the first times where the concept of an unreliable narrator, like, I kind of knew what it meant before. I had an idea of it, but during this discussion he's having with this kid's mother, like, he's lying to her about how the son died. Because, like, she's asking, was he at, you know, was it peaceful? Was he in pain? Whatever. And, of course, the guy died horribly. But Paul is like, you know, no, he held my hand, and he said, like, tell my mother I love, and he's lying to her. And she keeps asking questions because she doesn't because it seems like she doesn't believe him or she just wants more info. And he starts to get mad at the mother. And he's like, why is she asking these questions? Like, I'm telling the truth. And he's not right. Like, he's lying to himself and the mother at the same time. But the narration in the book is not telling you, like, I'm trying to make her feel better. The narration in the book is like, but he died peacefully. And it's like, you know, he's being adamant about, like, his own lie in the narration. Right. Um, it's so, easier to tell it when you believe it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like something that I don't know the the way it was all written. That book really made a huge impact on me. And like, um, I just learned there's a sequel to the book too. I didn't even fucking know, but he oh. wrote like a follow up. Yeah. Quick recommendation for you if you've never seen it, and I watched a little bit of it again after watching All Quiet on the Western Front. Did you ever watch Black Adder? Yes. Oh, yeah, my grandmother was obsessed with uh, British comedy, loved Black Adder. Yeah. She was a big Black Adder fan. Uh, I've, I've been rewatching Red Dwarf, but I had to go back and rewatch some of the uh, Black Adder Goes Forth, I think is what yeah, it was called. Yeah, when where he's, he's in, in World War One, the, the, the World War One yeah. trenches, right. And it's mm-hmm. uh, very funny. You got Hugh Laurie, um, Stephen Fry is in it. I do love Baldrick, his, you know, servant. Yeah. He always cracks me up. I always uh, see yeah, that on like the, the list of like best TV endings of all time too. Yeah. yeah. Um my gra- when my when we got a D- uh, my grandma got a DVD player, she bought like everything yeah. Rowan Atkinson and so she had every season of, of Black Adder. Yeah. Yeah. I was just uh rewatching that first one and it's like uh, trying to pretend that he's a good artist <laughs> like cuz he thinks he's going to like, you know, get to be in command and like paint things. It's like, no, no, no. We want you to reconnaissance and then paint what you see in <laughs> no man's land. Fuck. One last thing. And it'll be quick, but if anybody out there is at all into martial arts or ninja movies or samurai movies, I have one that is all three of those duel to the death from 1982. It has to be the greatest ninja movie I've ever seen for what that's worth. Um, absolute insanity. Great martial arts. Surprisingly, not a deep story, but a deeper than it needs to be story. I watched that the other day. Blew my mind. Duel to the death. Great movie. That's all. Okay. 
I'll have to check it out. Funny enough, this movie has kung fu in it for literally no reason. It does. Besides, yeah, they they just had a person that looked like Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. It's like his stand-in, right? And a a professional... Like, oh, uh, I don't know if he was ever a stand-in, but he, he was a professional impersonator who made movies as Bruce L.E. Bruce L.E. Lay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So this movie is about a man who uh, is a pervert and his mom is not very happy about it. He's making a naked lady jigsaw puzzle. Well, he's and a little boy mom, at the beginning. Not exactly a man. Well, you yet. know. Well, we're all men in, <laughs> I guess in short bodies. I guess we're seeing him become up. a man as he puts that puzzle right. together. You know, it's a nude puzzle. Yeah. Hey, if if he's got a little boner, he's a man in my book. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Let's... Oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, so, yes, he's putting together a little boy. He's putting together a naked lady puzzle. His mom is not very happy about it. Smacks him around a little bit and tells him to go get a garbage bag because she's going to burn all of his pervert stuff. And he ends up coming back with a fire axe and chops her up into little pieces, it seems. Well, he chops her up and then saws the rest of the pieces. Yeah. Because that's also a very funny shot of him mm-hmm. covered in blood with a saw. Oh, man. see, Seeing that gave me such a f- nice flashback to... Um... When I was in college, uh, I wrote for a project, uh, I wrote a, a cannibal film that we ended up making, and in it, there's a part where the cannibal kills somebody in, an apart- in his apartment, and then he is dismembering them, and um, I just remember, like, standing just out, you know, just off camera, of course, uh, watching the guy we hired as a cannibal use, like, a fake, like, it was a plastic, it was a little, like, foam wrench, you know, mm. um, but you know the motion of it. He just he didn't need a prop to hold for it. But we, I just remember like we're, <laughs> we were splashing blood on his face. We were just splashing blood around the room. Like our our double for the body was like covered in fake blood. It was so much fun to shoot and just seeing this little kid do it with the saw. I'm just like, I bet they had a good time making this. Like this looks like there's a, a lot of like fake fun. blood throughout this yeah. whole movie. Yeah. Excellent uh, gore it's all sh- around. Yeah. Right. It's a short scene, but it, like it's kind of impactful. The police come and he plays it off very well. <laughs> mommy, mommy, the man. <laughs> yeah. Right. So good. Uh where's mommy? And then the the mom's head is like in his closet. And then they're like, well, you know, we'll take him to his family like an hour away. And then we get titles, which are bizarre, because they're, you know, letters that look like they're dripping. Yeah. And the first couple are all white, so it's, it's cum. Probably. And then it switches to red, and it's blood. So it, it's, it's beautifully perverted. I love it. Yeah. So much. I will say, too, I, I like the performance of the kid. When he's swinging that axe, like, he, he looks fine. into it. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, when he talks, it's like, you know, a whole different story. But the image of him holding, the, like, swinging the axe at the camera, like, it looks great. The kid was putting his all into it, you know? Well, you said when he talks. I guess we should get into this right away. This is not an American production. No. The director this is Spanish. Is, yeah. It's Spanish, right. And they, a lot of it was, I, I read in one place Madrid. I read in another place another Spanish city. Yeah. But right, it's it's not American. Although it takes place on a Boston University campus. I mean, it's supposed to be Harvard, right? Is that the implication? 
Like, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't even think about that, but I guess so. But that is in wow. I, I mean, I don't so know. Classy. They never say it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, and I just put this together thinking about it, reading my notes. So we we forty years later, the guy is still putting together the naked lady puzzle, mm-hmm. uh, in giant black gloves. He has a box that has his mother's bloody dress or shoes, and a picture with uh, a red X across it, like every little boy does. Yes, but it seems to me that the catalyst for everything was a woman on a skateboard going down the street and two guys that were moving a giant mirror. And as she runs into the mirror, it breaks. It like flashes to him, his mom breaking the mirror when he was a child. Is that the purpose of, I mean, maybe I missed the cut to the him. That, well, there is no cut to him because it is a, is this technically like Jallo? Does that have to be Italian to be a Jallo picture or? Uh, technically, yes. I mean, like, um, I don't know. The definition of it is all over the place. But like, obviously, I mean, Quentin Tarantino and Eli Roth recently on Tarantino's podcast did a series on American Jallo movies. So I guess no, okay, so, according so to no. them. Because it is very much like we're we're seeing either the killer's point of view or like kind yeah. of right over their shoulder not seeing them most of the time but i was when i was looking back at my notes that's the only thing that made sense to me is that he sees this and it triggers something in him because then why wouldn't he be killing the whole time why the entire 40 years right and maybe he is it's just but it's just not like not been picked up or whatever but yeah you're right i i would say I mean, that's a good as theory as any, because I have nothing. Like, I have, I literally am having my notes, like, random interlude of a woman skateboarding into a pane of glass and screaming. Like, that's it. It isn't really connected to anything else. But, I mean, it's, that's honestly, I do give you props for connecting that to his mom breaking the mirror, because I never would have put that together. Well, because I think it does a quick cut to the mom breaking the mirror. Okay. As that's happening. That's the best I got. So, um, on the topic of the, like Jalos, like I'm, I would say this is closer to a Jalo than a slasher because like Jalos are, I, I to me a hallmark of them is that there's an investigation aspect to it, like a heavy investigation aspect. Like they're kind of more murder mysteries than anything else. Sure, um, I think to me it's more like the mood, and I think a lot of right. that is done with with the score. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also, I love the score to this movie, um, but uh, I, I think Jalos like. The investigation to me is key. There's, there's got to be a, some kind of some person, police or otherwise, who is like digging into the facts to solve these murders. Um, and I think Jalos, because of that investigation aspect, they have they way more heavily rely on a psychological factor. So you're talking about like, hey, is this the catalyst that breaks him? That fits into a, that's like the Jalo question. Basically, it's like, what is it right. that is happening that is bringing up trauma from the past? Like. It had to start somewhere. Yeah. Jalos, to me, it's all about repressed sexual angst that is kind of like boiling over. That's what a lot of them kind of come down to. And I feel like it comes from Psycho, basically, you know. Uh, right. And this I know idea this is that, more like, of a, yeah. like a genre that you're into. I've seen some. They're not my biggest thing. 
I yeah. can enjoy them. I can I can see the cultural relevance. That I, they I'll have. say the great ones are few and far between. Like I really like Jalos, right. and I, I find it a genre that it's like weirdly comforting in some sort of way. I think it's the detective aspect to it, but like there's a lot of ones that are just like nonsense and not very good and like hard to sit through. So you know, and I think that's part of it for me is like sometimes I just find them boring. Yeah, and you got to be this, patient. This with one them definitely has yeah. some boring moments in it. But there are so many, like, bizarre decisions that, like, it's it's an enjoyable movie. As, as I was going to say, I think this is a good mix of, like, the kind of older Giallo style um, in terms of its story and some of that. But, like, it's got that kind of modern 80s pacing where it is literally just trying to get from kill to kill almost as quickly as possible yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, and when we get to it right away. Let's get to it right now because right, that's, that woman skates into the glass with, and then two minutes later. with a great one. Yeah, yeah, of a uh, lady studying in a park. It seems like what do they call it on campus? The um, like the quad, the quad. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, but it seems like it's almost secluded. Right, it's she's bizarre. like it she's like in a, a ring of, of trees or something. Yeah, right. Is this the same woman that skateboarded into the glass? I couldn't tell. I think it is. Right. I think they reuse. A couple actresses at some point it could be i'm not sure but uh there's a guy with a chainsaw going off and she's like hey you're gonna be a while i'm studying he's like oh just a minute and just fucking chops her in pieces he cuts her head off yeah right right <laughs> great shot and of her body head. like her headless body is like twitching on the ground it's pretty fucked up um apparently a lot of real animal parts were used for the gore in this which makes sense because like you look at it and i did like I, I was like, like every time I was it's there, sick. <laughs> I did read the tennis girl later on in the film. Like it's a yeah. pig body that they're doing. Yeah. And you see, like you see, you see it, you see a chainsaw like, cut through, flesh. Go through yeah. and it hmm. looks good. It looks realistic. Yeah. Um, so that's when the two detectives start coming to the campus. They meet the Dean. Uh, we get introduced to uh, what I love about it is especially it is, like pointing at certain people throughout like you should suspect them right let's make them a fucking creep and we start with professor brown who it's so funny and maybe a little like homophobic <laughs> that they he is the gay professor well that's the thing is like I mean, constantly do we know, like do we get confirmation that he's gay i mean that did i know the dean says it at a certain point and it's well, really progressive it's really the progressive. Also when... say it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, there is also a point where the dean says that he's unmarried and lives with his mother. Okay. Well. All right. Maybe. But it, it is strange. I mean, this is much later when this happens. But the professor is, or the dean is like, oh, you know, he's a homosexual. Whatever his proclivities are, it's not my business. I'm like, that is a weirdly progressive stance for that character in particular to, to take. <laughs> It's funny. Even point the dean's like he's more afraid of it or like angry right, than, about it than I than, am. Than I am. Yeah. He's like he thinks that we're gonna care or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, they later on there's some uh, students that call him the campus closet queen. Okay, so I missed that. It, it's kind of out there, right? I will say too, in terms of the dialogue, I, I recently I hosted a viewing of this on uh, on a Discord for Halloween, and um. There was a person who was streaming it in the Discord. I was watching the version that was on Shutter, 
the people who watched the streamed version of it on Discord, they watched the Spanish version, the Spanish language version. Okay. Um, so I think this was shot like a lot of giallos were, where everybody just kind of spoke the language that they were familiar with. So it's like you, it's clear that like Christopher George as Lieutenant Bracken is speaking English, right? right. Like he's not dubbed over, or he, if he is, he's dubbed over by his own voice. Um, but other people in the in the production are clearly speaking another language and are dubbed. So I think. That Spanish version, I was watching a piece of it on the stream. The voices are way different. The translation to the dialogue is nowhere near as funny. Because I, I was the dialogue okay. in this is fucking hilarious. Like, it is so yeah. weirdly abrasive at times. And, like, blunt. Like, you know. Uh, like just, the line of these students. We're right here, yes. The most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. <laughs> It's amazing. And um, I will say the music for that Spanish language version was completely different and nowhere near as good. I like the score a lot, the, uh, the dubbed one. The the impending doom part of the score yeah. is really good. A lot of the, like, you know, fruity classical stuff is, is pretty bad. But um, I do love that the girl is, like, teasing Professor Brown yes. about, like, my pectorials. And he's like... Showing on himself where the boobs are. See, okay, now that I know that he... I don't know how I missed all the hints throughout the whole movie, but this makes a lot more sense. Okay. Wow, Greg. Wow. Do you even watch these movies you. when we talk about them? <laughs> I've seen this like I just read the times. Wikipedia article. <laughs> um, so we get to meet Willard, who's rubbing down his chainsaw and just looks like another fucking creep. And it's funny, I mean, because these people are being killed by a chainsaw. And so it's obviously we're supposed to be like, Oh, this guy. This yeah. is the guy. Well, right I here. mean, he is also perving out on a couple making out on campus. So, like, you know, there's a couple of hints there. It's funny. The dean is also even trying to, like, urge him along. It seems like he's a contractor. Like, he's not actually yeah. employed by the college. He's just there till a certain amount of time, till he does the job. Um, we get introduced to Kendall in the library, who is... It's bizarre to me. He's like the biggest looking fucking dork, but apparently he's the the campus ladies man. He's the point he where there is. A, <laughs> go ahead. He is a cocksmith through and through. Right. I mean, like in, it's, in it's the it's truest ridiculous. sense of the words. Yes. Uh, he's studying in the library, and a girl in a USA jersey like throws him a note that's basically like, "I've never done it underwater. Meet me in the pool." And he's just like, all right, give me a little bit. I got to study. Um, but he even turns out to go and fuck another girl. They don't show any of that, but that's yes. what they say. It's pretty ridiculous, but I like it. I like that weird choice because it's, it's not like Kendall's like, he, he's like an attractive enough young guy, you know, like, I don't know. And I, I, I generally find his character in, to be in this to be fairly charming. So like, well, I just, I don't know. It, I like it as a weird choice. It's his look. And especially the way he's dressed in this first scene. Yeah. That's very like, this guy? Really? It's the sweaters he um, wears, honestly. That's the biggest thing. Like That's true. That's and, true. And and but the women the women are like gorgeous. Like it is like the definition of like college co eds, you know. Oh, we got a lot of hotties in this. Yeah. Um so it even like hints at Brown again of like he hears the girl being like, I'm gonna go to the pool. She strips down, she's swimming. The the guy comes in and he's like holding her down with a pool cleaner. This is yeah, this is wild. This to this me is was like yeah, uh, pulls her out and like then starts chainsawing her. 
So, you know, takes it seems that that's where he takes the torso from that right. one. I, I like how this is done because we don't see the chainsaw happening on screen. But then you see the aftermath of just like the pile yes. of like parts. Yes. Yeah. The later on the pile is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we get to introduce to one of my favorite characters is Myron Schwartz. Who is a fucking another dork. Like, if Kendall's a dork, this guy is yeah. ultra dork. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes in the library. He's he's looking for Kendall. And then he, he asks a girl. And then she's like, oh, he's over there. And then he asks her if she's doing anything tonight. And she just gives him a look. with, And then he responds with one of the best lines I think we've ever covered this on is this amazing. podcast. This is amazing, yes. Hey, so I'm slayed by a withering look. Who gives a shit? It's so fast. It is like, look and who gives a shit is a single word. That's how I wrote it out of my notes. Hey, so I'm sitting by a word and like, who gives a shit? Just like, he's so angry suddenly. I I love that. Oh my god, it's so funny. But then he also has a, aw, aw, don't tell me I'm the bearer of bad news, I'll kill myself. And then Kim was like, ah, don't worry about it. Good, I'm too young to die. And I will say, in the Spanish language version, I remember I was, like, watching how they translated it, and it is nowhere near as funny. So if you were listening to this and you haven't seen pieces, abs- watch the dubbed version. It is it is vital. There is a, a bizarre thing about notes and, you know, telling Kendall not to okay, come, but it so goes I can, I can I can kind of explain this. So he Oh, I know, I get it. It's just yeah. dumb. But it, it also feeds into the thing at the end, though. He That's true. He gets a note from this girl saying, come to the pool. He then, then, at the dean's office, there's a note to Kendall saying, don't go to the pool. Supposedly from the girl, right? That gets given to the other nerd, whatever you said his name was. Myron, right? Myron um, Schwartz. Yes. So the note is Are, given to Do you to think Myron. they're trying to be a little anti-Semitic? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I hope not. <laughs> um, but who knows with these movies. Uh so yes, the dean gives Myron the note to give to Kendall saying, don't go to the pool. The dean says, oh, this is not a messenger service, so I simply passed it off to a student and do it can rely on. This, of course, is all misdirection, you know, but that, Should that we get into going it, on. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Because. It, sure, why not? Whatever. So the dean is the killer. It's also the it's, only, he's the only person that makes sense age-wise, aside from Brown, right? Like Right. Well, tr- I guess Willard. I mean maybe Willard, maybe, but I don't know. Those are the three people, and then I guess unless you want to count the detective as well. Yeah, but it seems like I mean sometimes Jalos would do things like that, but it's not that often. Um, right. I will say the detective too, Christopher George. I, I really love him in um, Lucio Fulci's City of the Living Dead. Uh, okay, great movie, and he plays a pretty similar role in that one. Just like the cigar chomping and like the, the kind of raspy voice like this. Like, you know, he's just a weird figure that I find very compelling on, in movies. He's got a great look. Yeah. And he's a line in this later that is such a great read that I just like I am in love with it. So, um, yeah, I, it's one of those things of like, OK, I guess it works that it's the Dean. I don't know if I love this. I like set, it. I think it's. I think it's fine because I like it because it's a nice contrast. Like we talked about, he's British for some fucking reason. Even though the kid in the beginning of the movie is definitely not, and he is that like grew a grew up in Boston. Thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, he should be talking like Mitch from Doughboys, right? He should be saying pup, popcorn and hot dog. Popcorn. Yeah. He cut hot his mom, he's cut his mum up with an axe. Yeah. Um I don't know. It, it's it's weird, it, to, but I like it. I like that it contrasts with his Britishness. 
and just like the hoity-toity nature of it and the fact that like i don't know it's just like something about this guy in a position of power who's like playing dumb the whole time it's fun i think it's fun when you rewatch it knowing it you know um Hey, forget all that. The important thing that happens next is we've got this fucking banging song playing during this aerobics class. Like, well, this, like, synthy, like, dun, 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 dun. like, it's so We've cool. gone a little too far because they discover the body in the pool. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, yes, and yes, yes. That's when uh, Willard, who's, like, walking in with hedge clippers or whatever, comes in and sees the, the chainsaw and just grabs it. And then it's like, blood on my hands. Kendall sees him, runs out, and then, like, Kendall and four cops come in, and Willard just, like, cleans the fucking floor with all of them. It is a glorious fight scene. It's awesome. Um, He's throwing guys in the pool. Right. Only ended by a guy, like, putting a gun to his head and be like, I'll blow your fucking brains out. Okay, so that guy, too. That actor is... Yeah, he's um, fun. I Frank, didn't write his Frank name Bra- down. Frank Branya as Sergeant Randy yeah. Holden. He's he's good. He's like the number two to Christopher George. Yeah, he's the one with the white hair. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's very fun. And um, the way he says, I'll, you know, "I'll blow your fucking brains out." I'm like, "Whoa, yeah. okay." Ooh. Uh, it, you know, and it's funny. Like they seem to be like, "Okay, he's the one that did it," and they don't even say anything about it. Yeah, another person dies, and then he just like shows up. Like, they don't even really say anything about it. Well, we had to let him go. Obviously, he wasn't the right. killer. We still, like, insinuate that he's the killer sometimes. It It's it's an insane... But the, the police seem to give up on him pretty quick, though, in terms of being the killer. Yeah, it's weird. But then we get this banging aerobics class, right? With, like, that cool song. Real, and even before that, they bring in Professor Brown. Because he's, like, an anatomy professor. Yeah, probably. yeah. It's like, I don't want to wait for an autopsy report. Can you tell me, was this pile of bodies created by this chainsaw? Sitting next to this pile of bodies covered in blood. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> and, we have to have uh, an expert on this. To, to Brown like, looks at it and then grabs the chainsaw and the detective's like, no, you could have destroyed evidence. And then he's just funny, it's like, it's, it's rather elementary. Yes, obviously, you fucking moron. This was created by a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And then, then, uh, actually, no, hold on, before that, even before that, we get the detectives are wanting to put um, the policewoman undercover. They start talking about that. Right, that right. They want, they want to put two cops on, on, in, the, in the staff. Right. Right. Uh, th- we find out that in the time frame of when Kendall was supposed to meet, the girl at the pool that he was fucking the blonde Alicia from anthropology. So he literally went from fucking a girl and then was going to go and fuck another girl, which ties into again later on when I believe he's, it's with a different girl. Yeah. He sees Mary out the window and, and it's like, well, this is her. my chance. Yeah. Right. Well, partly and he was like, protect her for one, but then, and then, and right, tries but then to they go her. back to yeah. her apartment and he's like, don't you want to make some coffee? Like, I, I'd like to fuck you, even though maybe 45 minutes ago I was finishing in another girl. And he, she's like 20 years older than him, you know? <laughs> right. Well, you know, you got to shoot your shot. Yeah. But then, yes, we do get the ladies dancing um i love that aerobics. song that song is so good um, i was got lyrics that, <laughs> yeah i was reading that the director actually wanted them to be nude 
mm-hmm. for all this. And then the, the instructor that they hired was like an actual instructor and not an actress. And she was like, yeah, they don't do classes like that. And I'm not going to do this. But then he like took Even down though, the names of the he took in the names of the actresses who would want to do it nude or would be, would be willing <laughs> right. to do it nude. Yeah. Hey, we can use you later on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's around this time I'll say too because it's it's basically right here the class kind of wraps up. One of the girls goes to the bathroom and is walking through the halls and everything. And uh, I really like the fucking building they shot this in. Like the architecture of the school is pretty great. Like it's kind of maze like. It's very winding. A lot of narrow yeah. hallways that are good for stalking scenes, like, and some just excellent lighting throughout this. Like, I think this movie looks pretty good. It looks cheap, but it, like, looks good. It's, like, a good cheap to me, you know? It's, uh, it has an authenticity to it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really good, I, I think it's right, right, basically right here, where, like, there's a, maybe it's late, I don't know. Anyway, but there's a, where there's a dark room, there's a window on one side and it's like a blue light coming through this window and then the killer opens the door and he's all in silhouette but it like throws this blue light all throughout this dark room and it, it looks excellent and like he's wearing a hat and trench coat so it's very noiry. like i, I don't yeah. know I, I, there's some shots in this i thought were, were like very very impressive uh but yeah you it, we see the dance class and there's like a stalking thing but it it doesn't uh, come to terms right now right it's it's just a, another girl scaring her that's when we get to meet Mary Riggs, who's a uh, a tennis champion, I guess. And uh, Kendall like knows of her. I've seen, I, you know, I try to go to all your matches. Oh, you're you're going to be an undercover cop on campus. And the the main detective, Christopher George, is like telling Kendall all this. He's like, I don't know why, but I trust you. Yeah. They also have him meet a psych profiler for like two seconds. That doesn't right. really come back either. Yeah. Yeah, again, 85 minutes. You gotta pad it somewhere. But I do love this. Like, they, they need to bring an under, undercover cop. So they get one that is a recognizable celebrity to be the tennis coach. Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. And they, they tell him immediately, like, she's an undercover cop. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only explanation is that even this detective wants to fuck Kendall. I think that's the only thing going on. I, you know, she does reject him, but I think she's... No, no, no. I'm, like, I'm talking about... At another I'm, time. I'm, I'm talking about time. I'm talking about Lieutenant. I'm talking about Bracken. I think Bracken oh, okay. wants to well, fuck yeah. Kendall. He's like, I sure. just trust you oh, for well. some reason, you know. Yeah, yeah. That makes I just want to tell you got that charm. I just want you on the force as, as badly as possible. Yeah, we do get to see him hang dong, and he's he's working with Look, something nice he's, there. He's packing. It makes sense. It all makes sense. Yes, right. Because it's a it's a soft a soft shot that we see, but it yep. is oof fills the screen. <laughs> okay uh we get to watch the uh a tennis match for like three minutes bizarrely uh mary playing against a real cutie yeah i like that brunette she's a real cutie they use the same the same shot of her like a close-up of her swinging a racket like three times like yeah. i think i think she could not actually play tennis and so they just like got a close-up of her swinging a racket and played it over and over to make it look like she was playing yeah so this is when there is a, a lady dancing alone in the, the dance studio, and that, again, eventually the killer's coming and stalking her. It's really interesting at this point where she's running away, gets to the elevator, and then the killer's there, and she's, like, <laughs> recognizing the killer. And she goes, oh, yes. it's you, sir. He's hiding a chainsaw under his coat, behind his back or something. Yeah. Great. 
great. Uh, this is the one he seems to cut her arms off. Dude, oh that's my real good. So it's it's from a it's a low angle looking up at her. The killer's like partially in the foreground. She's against the, the elevator wall. You see the chainsaw come up, and her arms are up, and you see it cut straight through the arm, which flies up like it. Obviously, it's a prop, but it looks so good, and it's it's yeah. so fast that you don't get enough time to like notice the fakeness of it. You you literally just see a chainsaw swipe an arm off, like it's great. Yeah, apparently she's alive when they find her, and they're like mm-hmm. trying to save her, but the doctor's like million to one shot, never gonna happen. I I like that because so, they they because it actually they use like genuine medical terms too of like you know right or her like nerves sh- like. Yeah. shocked or whatever yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah her nerves are shocked and then blood loss did the rest it's something with the way he said it i'm like that feels weirdly genuine yeah uh did you notice that there's like a boston health ambulance but it's <laughs> strangely like a bread truck yes like, i don't i don't <laughs> think they were ever like that you know like in ghostbusters it's an old hearse yeah like, ambulance like oh the, they were yes. more like that and not just a giant delivery truck Another thing I have in my notes, I the they find the body in the elevator, and like it's like two cops, and then Kendall. I forget exactly why Kendall is there, but uh, Kendall's um, like outside and hears the chainsaw. Right, that's it. And yes. then all the cops are like trying to get in the same door, and he's like, "I'll go around." But he takes charge. I love that. Kendall's like, "You yeah. go find the janitor's phone," and then like the guy runs off. But then one of the cops pukes when he looks into the other and sees the body and then kendall has to be the one to like direct him that's like what to do (laughs) it's so good uh but there's also a really great shot uh towards the end of the scene where it's like yeah you get all of the main yep i was gonna i was gonna bring this up as well yeah because professor brown was upstairs and he comes down that's the one where willard who had been i'm assuming was arrested and then they right. let him go. He's just kind of walks in. Yeah, uh, I love that he's also always in the same outfit. It's always mm-hmm. just like jeans and a you know jean shirt. Uh, then you get you know you get the dean and his secretary. Kendall's right there, and it's the cop like looking at them all, like kind of oh. And this is the part too. It's here. during a it's during a lightning storm. So as you look at all the main characters, yeah. you get a nice yeah. big lightning strike in the background. Yeah. This is, and then this is where we hard cut to Kendall the girl fucking, screaming. Right? The girl screaming. She's <laughs> Kendall is so good at sex. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's amazing. I mean, yeah, and he tells her like, you know, you got to quiet down. I almost think I'm the, I'm Chainsaw Charlie. Chainsaw Charlie. Like that. Yeah, uh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> hey, oh, Kendall. Now I, I want to go. <laughs> Halloween is Chainsaw Charlie. Kendall, I can hear your lady screaming from two states over. Uh, I don't know. I look. I, Will Randall has been in my brain ever since we watched Wolf. Like, I can't get so him out. So this is—he sees Mary stumbling around in the dark, and he's like, "I'm going to go save her." Yeah, uh, he has a Friday the Thirteenth poster on his on his wall too. By the way, I don't know if that's he caught true. That. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell what the other poster next to it was, but yeah. yes, I did notice that one. It's a little racist. That, a little? Well, I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt since they're not American. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't Which count. Which I probably shouldn't have. Their racism but, doesn't count. They can't be. Yeah. Right. Racism's American right. only. Yeah. Like, we, we have a majority stockhold in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so, she's kind of, you know, 
out there and around. She gets attacked by Bruce La. What did we say his name was? Bruce. Lee? It's it's L E Lay. I think you would say it Lay. Okay, Lay. Bruce Lay. But it's it's trying to be as close to Bruce Lee as possible. Yeah. Right. And they fight. He ends up on the ground, and then Kendall comes along. He's like, "Hey, it's my kung fu professor." And he's the company's <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I was out my uh, nightly jog. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. Must be something I ate. Bad chop suey. So long. And runs uh, away. Yeah, she gets him in the balls. Like, it's the, the most least dignified thing you can think of. Um, weird, weird. Adds a weird charm to this, even as racist as it is. Some of the titles of Bruce Lee, uh, he did Entered the Game of Death. Um, entered the game of Shaolin Bronze Men, Way the Dragon <laughs> 2, the true game of death, re-enter the dragon, Bruce's Fist of Vengeance, Challenge of the Tiger, Bruce versus Bill. Man, I, I have to do like a whole Bruce Lee marathon apparently because he sound excellent. Uh, uh, Mary tells him not to drive around his dirt bike that he has because it sounds like a chainsaw. Oh, that's the thing. Like is a he, random... Yeah. He sees, oh, her, he sees her out the window and pursues her on a dirt bike. It's like, he literally could have just walked downstairs and found her, but... There's a know. lot of strong logic in this movie. He's gotta, he's gotta make an entrance, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he drives up on the dirt bike, his junk's just yeah. hanging out of his pants. <laughs> That's his pickup line. Hey, baby, you wanna I, get on yeah. my bike and go for a ride? Ay, ay, ay. Um, uh, we, we haven't even really talked about, there's a reporter that's kind of, you know, running around. Yeah, she's, she's kind of um, a little random. Yeah, she kind of just right. pops in here and there. She interviews Mary at one point. Yeah. Yeah, she's sneaking around, and then, uh, they had talked about, from the waterbed conversation earlier, there's a new waterbed in the training area. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets stalked, and they chase into there. She gets stabbed on the waterbed, and then a glorious, glorious, glorious kill it's of phenomenal. the knife. Through the back of her head, through the mouth. Yeah. Glorious. Even before that. That's great. I love... I've seen that in a couple of movies, and it's always awesome. Even before that, though, when he is, like... Ha- he has her on the waterbed. She's thrashing around. The waterbed is, like, split because of the knife. And it's right. starting the to kind of turn... water. It's starting to turn so red. Good. Shot in a gorgeous slow motion that really just, like... It highlights the movement of the water in a weird... I'm going to say it. Poetic way. There's something about the way that you see the water churning and, like, her thrashing around, the knife. Like, there is something about it that is so striking to me that it's like, well, this is, like, excellent filmmaking in the middle of this piece of shit. Like, you know, um, like, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like it's a piece of shit. Yes, when it's an exploitation movie. In the middle of this this sleazy, you know, uh, like, base exploitation movie, you have this, like, really gorgeous moment of this waterbed kill. Like, something about it, I don't know, it captures that weird thing that happens in these movies of, like, the beauty of the gore and, like, the, you know, the maliciousness of it. I don't know what I'm, I don't know if I'm fully making sense here, but, like... Greg, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but The Way of Water has no beginning and no end. (laughs) That's what it is. You know, this is my way of water, yeah. Um, Anyway, I I loved it. I thought that scene was, was, was fantastic. Like, definitely, um... I don't know if it's the best kill in the movie, even with all that said, like, there's more um, effective kills. But that's just the one that, that, like, struck me the most, striking. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Um, you get Kendall trying to fuck Mary. He's like, hey, you want to invite me in for coffee? And She wants yeah, to, like, but she says not now. Right. Yeah. She she does she kisses him on the cheeks and then when he asks that she's like maybe later and kisses him on the mouth so we're we're getting like oh, okay something will happen at some point uh, I do love that like he's scared by Myron immediately after that mm-hmm. like with a stupid fucking mask like it's it's almost yeah. pointless but again we gotta pad the movie somehow um we we've seen the killer like storing body parts and now we kind of see him assembling the body parts uh, yeah which is real if fun. only if only we had uh, if only the coin flip had made us watch frank and hooker last week <laughs> this would have been oh, an the, even the, better seg- would have been an even better segue yeah wow uh so there was uh the tennis player comes back very gorgeous she's practicing but like with nobody she just seems to be yeah. hitting the balls across the court uh, apparently she was the starts playing yeah like marching band music yeah right and so apparently she like, well, was the this. uh apparently she was the daughter of like the wardrobe person yes the i was reading that as well yeah i was mm-hmm. reading that they were not originally going to start shooting in the shower and they were like hey well let's just do it and then eventually he was like you know what i think it would be better when you're running from the killer if you're topless so you're just going to be topless for the rest of the scene. Look, I, I I only want actors to do things they are comfortable with, you know, like, obviously. Right. But he's right in that the topless nature of it makes it more upsetting. Like, it does make the movie stronger for me that she's topless. She's I agree. More, I mean, like, in general in movies, like, when you have these more vulnerable. scenes. It's, it's more, yeah, exactly. It's the vulnerability of it. It's like, it's the intrusion you know, and like with the chainsaw being such a phallic object, like it, it really does just add, like heighten the situation. So, you know. So yeah, he's chasing her around. Um, that's when we get the she like hides in the bathroom in the stall. He starts chainsawing through it, and she pees her pants, which is another really good just Fucked like up. quick touch. Yeah, right. Uh, apparently, in the IMDb trivia, I guess she did pee her pants. And then the director was like, let's keep it. Because I guess the chainsaw got a little too close. And she peed her pants. And And it's it's a, a, yeah. It's an insert shot. So I'm assuming Mm -hmm. it happened. And he was like, okay, uh, can I get fresh pants? Pee your pants again. God damn. Uh, Man. Uh, and this, <laughs> and then this is yeah, this is really next level here. Like just you, like we mentioned earlier, you, it's pig. an actual, actual pig carcass getting cut up by a chainsaw. And uh, even when Looks it zooms good. out and it and it just shows her like in half, like that right. shot is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's really it's sticks off, with it's you. It's obviously you know the floor is not there. She's like halfway right. down, and they cover it up. But yeah, it looks really good. So with all the blood so splattered taken... in the walls and everything. Mm-hmm. Did he take anything from the reporter? Because it seems like this one is like the the legs. Like I don't the torso, know. You know, I don't remember. I don't remember if we saw the aftermath of the reporter. So like, I'm not sure. Did anyone even find the reporter? Are we sure about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is. I think that one kind of weirdly is not remarked upon. Really, I don't know. I don't remember already. It's funny. I'll I'll go ahead and spoil a really bad movie, but I watched the fanatic um by our our great american artist frederick durst oh boy uh, wrote and directed starring john travolta but there's a part in that movie where he becomes he becomes obsessed with devon sawa 
or he's already obsessed with her, but um, he, you know, stalks him at his home and ends up killing his maid. And then they just like drop that plot line for like 40 minutes. And you're just like, is he ever going to find the maid that's dead in his backyard? <laughs> and he doesn't. It doesn't at the end, like it comes around that the cops then arrest Devin Sawa for that murder. But it was just like, are we, is no one going to notice this body here? Really? <laughs> Um, also in that movie, uh, there's a part where Devin Sawa is driving around with his child and be like, oh yeah, let's put on some music. Oh yeah, Limp Biscuit. Oh yeah, let's oh get some go- Biscuit oh going. Oh my god. Like, do you have no shame, Frederick? No, it's Fred Durst. Of course not. Are you kidding me? Um, alright, we have to get to this. director, Frederick Durst. We have to get to this part of the movie, because this is one of the greatest things in any movie I've ever seen this moment coming up right now. Cause there's some business about them finding about getting into the showers, right. And turning them or turning the music off. First of all, there's right, some like right. back and so, forth with Willard about that. It's Mary but, Kendall. Willard shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kendall finds the body and he comes out and then Mary has a reaction. The greatest reaction to anything ever. Like, um, while we, the whole line is like, while we were fiddling around with that damn music, he was in there killing her, like, and then screams. Bastard! With all of her soul. Bastard! Three times. Just like, I, honestly, I, I'm sure she blew her voice out doing that. Like, she sure. is going so hard. Her face is turning red. She's like shaking in anger. Like, Oh my god, absolutely brilliant. I watch that clip on YouTube all the time when I just need a quick laugh, like, (laughs) I pull that up. Um, See, you say greatest reaction, although I think it's honestly tied between that and I'll have what she's having. That's good too. Hey, it's up there, man. Put them neck and neck. You're right. (laughs) Uh, But we cut from that straight to my favorite Christopher George line reading. Uh, he cut that girl in half while she was still alive. Just like the way he yeah. says that, that really fucking gets me too. And back to back with bastards, like it is, like it's just this. This is when the it's, movie is firing on all cylinders. It's great because you, for him, you really see that it's affecting him. Of like, yeah. he's like, God damn it, I cannot solve this case. He's good. He has a sense of urgency about the whole thing that I really like. Yeah, uh, he's talking to his partner though, the one with the white top, and is basically mm-hmm. just saying like, go through. All of these records. It's got to be in there somewhere. You find it. Tells them, take some uppers or something. Yeah. Uh, It's a a weird part that Mary starts talking to Professor Brown. And it's funny. He says, you shouldn't be worried in the middle of broad daylight on the middle of campus. It's like, that's when the first first murder happened. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Middle of the day. I mean, it again, it seemed like it was the quad, but like so many trees. It must have been like the forest. It's so yeah. bizarre. I mean, hey, the the school I went to had a botanical garden that was pretty secluded. So, like, you know, you know and could I, be it, that. it's possible. Yeah, it's so. At this point, it leads me to believe that Kendall is already fucking the dean because Mary asks him <laughs> about the dean's schedule, and he intimately knows where the dean is, what the dean will be yeah. doing, when he will be back at his apartment. Yep, at seven p.m. Hey, I, you am know what? I reading too much into this? No, you know, and now that now that you mention it, I think that's maybe that's the the uh the thing that kicks everything off. The dean finds out that Kendall's fucking around with people other than him. Exactly. You know? 
Yeah. So he's like, oh, he wants to fuck the, all these other co-eds. I'm going to take some vengeance on them. You know, I'll bring him back to the apartment with this woman I'll create for him. You know, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Oh, we already mentioned throughout the entire movie, we just keep cutting back to the the black gloved hand putting pieces right. together in the puzzle. And it's, yeah. it's so awkward because the gloves are big. Yes. And he's like, as he's trying to do it, it's it's very awkward. It's so great. I love it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even mention that, like, or I guess I don't, you might have just said it, but the puzzle is bloody. Like, there's yeah. little, you know, bits of blood here and there. Um, it's also, it was like a Spanish model, I believe, is the woman on the on the jigsaw puzzle. How did, how did he get the puzzle? I'm assuming his dad sent it to him. Yeah, they established in the, in the Air Force, the dad in Europe. Dad's in the Air Force. Yeah, maybe right. just when I don't know when the aunt like is it's the aunt or the neighbor or something, right? I think it's a neighbor, maybe. Right. In the in the beginning, when she takes him away, maybe he was just like, "Hey, uh, one second, I want to go grab something," and just took it with him. I don't know. Well, no, I just mean like in general in the first part. How did he get? Oh, it? how did he get it? Maybe his dad. Yeah, his dad seems like a good way. Yeah, it's even more bizarre because as you're mentioning, yeah, it's like. How did he get the bloody dress and the shoes? Did they just, like, release this evidence to a, a 12-year-old child? I guess maybe, yeah. Right. So, Kendall then goes to help the other detective, like, look through the files. And Mary then goes to question the dean, where, reveal, reveal. And it's not even, it's done very subtly of, like, he's drugging her coffee. And then you're like... Oh, they 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 spend a lot of time on the coffee talk. <laughs> like it they, is a good, yeah. like three to five minutes about how do you want your coffee? Oh, t- cream, sugar. Oh, you know, just cream, no sugar. Oh, it is good cream. We're into lingo after all. Oh, you're watching a, a figure. I wouldn't. Th- I wouldn't think right. that'd be necessary. With it all the like, tennis you play, it's so much business about the fucking coffee. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about how even short get to the movie point. is. Christopher George is talking to Mary, and he's like, you'll have tennis coming out of your ears as much as you're playing. <laughs> uh, um, that's great. Uh, we also have Kendall talking to the lieutenant about going through files, and there's a little right. jab at Christopher George, and he's like, do you smoke? And he's like, no, does it bother you? And he's like, I don't need somebody polluting my air. And yeah. I think that's a jab at the detective. He's yeah. always asking for a light, and the lieutenant's mm-hmm. like, "I no, I don't have one. Yeah. Um, great superior fantastic i love it so much they make us feel like we're in america by having them eat wendy's oh yes yeah yeah you get, yeah. The, you get the burger Prominent wrappers, wendy's you get the cups. little fry yep. you get the cup and you're just like mm-hmm. Ugh, love it. I, I feel like I'm in America right now. I don't know what it is, too. This is a weird statement, but like, I mean, maybe it's because of the poster, but the general aesthetic of this movie is like yellow and red. And so Wendy's fits right in with that aesthetic, like something yeah, about it, yeah. you know, yeah, and it's, it's perfect. It, it's funny. Like, it's that that chain. Yeah. Not like, you know, like McDonald's Jack in the Box, or, Burger King. Right. Well, you know, Jack mm-hmm. in the Box is not a very West or East Coast. Right. 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 One. Right. Um, It'd be funny, like, Long John Silvers or something, (laughs) which would be even funnier since they're in Boston, apparently. Oh, yeah. Or Boston Market. But yeah, basically, I I just love they keep dropping lines like, well, Kendall, you're basically in the force already. Like, he just is a cop now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I love that everybody everybody loves Kendall. It's the greatest. Like, he's a suspect. You can't have him, like, do police work. He's like, I trust him with my life. (laughs) 
And he's like, what, Kendall? No way. You're fucking crazy. Like, when they bring up... This guy's driving me mad. I gotta gotta have as much help as I can. His voice is so good. Oh, man. Have you seen City City of the Living Dead, Lucio Fulci's... Dude, oh man, put that one way up on your list. That is a fucking fantastic movie. We will talk okay. about it someday. I love that film. Uh, it's great. We'll find a category for it. Um, but Christopher George is great in that too. Um, so they, they, I guess Kendall, Kendall's the one that finds a clue. We don't get to see any of it, but then the lieutenant's like, uh, let me call this in. Ends up calling well, some guy in another. Yeah. Uh, they tell you pretty department. quickly. They're like, oh, hey, look, this guy changed his name. They call right. somebody. There's some funny lines about that guy, too, of like, oh, he sounds like a million years old. Like, like, right. Yeah. But then he gets he gets the information he needs and he goes, oh, thanks. I'll send you a case of lollipops. <laughs> Bizarre. And then I love it that he's so well, then he tells us right there. It's the Dean. He's the one doing it. And he's so frazzled that he, like, doesn't know that, that's what to do good with too. himself. Dude, there's so many little details in this like that that just make, I don't know, they make this movie sing. The fact that, one, the guy they call on the phone is very old and is really tired, right? So then you have, like, the weird lollipop line, and then you have the cop being so frazzled he doesn't know what to do, and has like, oh, well, no, what am I saying? I can't think straight. Like, you don't You're need that stuff. Yeah, right. it's it's so funny. I don't know. There's little, this, this script is, like, well thought out, weirdly. But also, I was seeing that they had to improvise a lot of the story on set because the script was so thin. So, like, I don't know what how it all happened and it. came together. But, like, it's it's a weird, cohesive mess, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, And again, as we mentioned, they're, they're continuously cutting to a person putting together a jigsaw puzzle. This yeah. movie is 85 minutes long, and we spend, like, a third of the movie focusing uh-huh. on jigsaw puzzle pieces. I don't know. This it's movie bizarre. impresses me a lot, man. Like, it's so bizarre. Yeah, let's get it's to this ending. That it, this it ending is great. Out like that. It's as we said. Like it's almost incohesive, but it is. It has a cohesive narrative throughout. Yeah, bizarrely. It's, it's good. like let's get to Jersey movie. It's incohesive and cohesive <laughs> at the same. Depending on where you are, like if you open the DVD box. Yeah. <laughs> So we have another excellent piece of score as they're racing to the Dean's apartment. Yeah. I, the score here is awesome. It's really propulsive and, like, cool and synthy. Um, they race up there. She, uh, Mary is drugged on the couch. She can't move. The Dean puts on his killing costume. Well, he doesn't really even put on a costume. He's, like, about to kill her. And when they bust in, she's just on the couch drugged. And she yeah. keeps, like, it's they're, they're so bad at their job. I understand why the Dean got away with it for so long, because this detective is a fucking moron. She is looking at the curtains, like, doing her best to try to point at it, and they're all just like, oh, he must have right away. Let's try to, you know, let's get some cops up here. Kendall, you walk her around the apartment. And then as as all the other cops leave, the, you know, Dean comes out, starts trying to kill him. Uh, the other cops come back and then shoot him in the head. Like, that's kind of yeah. the end of it. Yeah, that's great. I love that. You got the cops, like, finding the puzzle. That's pretty fun. Yeah. It was a little weird that, like, there's so much good gore throughout this, but the headshot itself is, like, not that great. It literally just looks like a dab of red paint on his forehead, you know? It is very anticlimactic. I, I do agree yeah. there. But they make up for it with the actual ending. <laughs> yeah. Mary seems to be okay. She's going to be fine. Um, they're about to leave, and then... I can't remember exactly how it happens, but the the corpse 
falls on Kendall, and it's a really fun-looking corpse. Yeah. Like, the way that they made it look, like, different, that there are different body pieces of, like, the shading of the way that the corpse looks. Like, the arm and the torso are a little different. The head is a certain shade of green compared Mm -hmm. to everything else. And it's it's a real nice touch. Um, It honestly feels like this is where the movie was going to end. And then they put it together and it was like, you know what? This is like 83 minutes. Contractually, you are obligated to give us 85 minutes. Okay? (laughs) You've already put 10 goddamn minutes of jigsaw puzzle pieces in this movie. I need another button on the end of this movie. You know what? Mission accomplished because this ties the whole movie together. Honestly, like... I think it is... I think there's a good explanation of it as Kendall's repressed uh misogyny of, out, of everything that's going on so if you're saying it's not supernatural it's him just imagining this at the end right i think his mind broke when the corpse fell on him and everything we're mm. getting is more like an uh, imagination horror sure, sure. nightmare of Do you... <laughs> you know he's he's feeling bad because just like the dean he has been using these women as objects for yeah. his own fulfillment. Are you one of these so, people that thinks that Taxi Driver's ending is a dream too? You know, I I didn't think of that. And like, I heard about it maybe a year or two ago. And I like, the more I yeah. think about it, I'm like, you know what? It's not, that's not a horrible ending. No, I, I think, I think the, I think the Taxi Driver dream ending kind of ruins the whole thing. I, I think it's got to be real. To me, it's, it has to be real. And it's so much more impactful if it's all real for Taxi Driver. This one, I don't know. This one, I feel like if you wanted the, the dream theory, it's fine with me. It's like, it makes sense. But like, uh, I have Driver, though, f- It's so bizarre, their interaction in, in the, the yeah. cab at the end. And he's, he's too cool in that scene. Maybe, but here's the thing is that he's been like, placated by he's gone this. through shit right he's gone through shit but he's also been like he's he's playing he's able to be cool because he's been validated by everybody you know what i mean like his his actions and outlook on life have been like confirmed and the general public is now giving him what he wants and so i think he's able to play it cool you know i also think maybe he's become a little bit a little bit more wiser throughout this whole thing to the you know to the to as much as he can be so like yeah anyway i love taxi driver we'll talk about trust me i'll take as much um i just had her name on the tip of my tongue civil shepherd yeah civil shepherd i yeah (laughs) i was gonna say it and then as i was about to say it it um she's gorgeous oh my god oh amazing yeah I mean, yeah. hey, look, Bogdanovich risked it all for her, and we see why, you know. I don't blame uh, him, yes. I do not blame <laughs> him at all. Uh, so so what happens is the corpse is on the ground. The cop is like, hey, Kendall, you all right? He's like, yeah, my heart started beating again. Okay, let's go. Oh, let me just grab my jacket. And as he's picking up his jacket, the corpse reanimates itself, grabs his cock, and, like, mutilates <laughs> it rips it down yes uh, emasculating him and we get a uh, a a perfect almost comedically cut scream yeah from him 
Two the credits. blood effects here, that seeing seeing the jeans get all blood, like it's a dark red. They rip it's, up, it's, right? It's it's pretty. Yeah, boring. it's it's really effective. Um, I love it. This ending adds an entire star to my rating for this fucking movie because it works on so many levels, in my opinion. Um, we'll get into final thoughts. I mean, you're going to be up first with final sure. thoughts because you're hosting right. here. Uh, and we can jump right into it. What are we going to rate this out of? Jigsaw pieces, um, Kendo dolls cocks. on tricycles, which is kind of funny. Oh yeah, I don't know if you heard my suggestion of Kendall Cox, but ooh, uh... <laughs> it's up to you though. Um, is there anything with Willard we can do? Um, that's a good question. Probably not. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. Wendy's, you can do always do Wendy's cups, you know. Oh, you, you got me right there. When Wendy's burgers, perfect. We'll do that on Wendy's burgers. Okay. Um, I'm not as high on this as you. Uh, I am pretty high up there. I it's it's a wild journey. Uh, it has a bump in score. It's got some crazy misdirects with Willard and Professor Brown that I really love. I really love that they make them like almost creep supreme for both of them while the dean is just kind of like oh i'm hoity-toity you know why would you ever <laughs> suspect me uh when it turns out to be him you're like oh okay that's that's fun we almost like came to it accidentally his motivation yeah which i think is a very big detractor of it you need something you need a a better monologue for his ending uh, um like when mary's passed out he doesn't really give much in that regard. Like, you need something. Like, you don't need Bond villain-esque, but you need something to, to to try to tie it together. You know, we barely talked about it. This is an exploitation movie. This is this is almost aimed directly at me as well. Hey, let's <laughs> exploit Americans. Let's exploit gore lovers and perverts. And frankly, I'm offended. But... Uh, I think I think it has a very unique charm to it. The bizarre decisions again. Professor Brown and Willard are iconic is not the right word, but it it is just like pitch perfect for this type of movie. Of we get the almost like distinguished gay gentleman, and then the uh, you know the groundskeeper who always looks like he's sweaty. Like, oh, even yeah. after he takes a shower, you're like, five minutes later, you're sweaty. Yeah. You're big, you're just like a big hairy meatball, pretty much. You, you, you gotta see him in Crime Wave. It is something to behold. Okay, I'm, yeah, and I gotta watch Popeye, because I've never seen the Popeye movie. I've so. seen little pieces of it on TV as a kid, and it weirded me the fuck out, so, you know. Right. Yeah. I do want to go to Malta, just because they're, they're, they they're still have park. that set that's there. Yeah, right. it's a theme park right. now, yeah. So I'm going to go 3.74 Wendy's Burgers. This is just below, so I'm not giving it a 4. It's staying at 3.5 <laughs> on Letterboxd. But it, it it comes so close to that. Like, well, if I round it up, it has to be a 4. Very nice. You know, I, I really can't disagree with too much of your um, assessment there. I, I go higher because I'm me and I love to read into things and give filmmakers the benefit of the doubt that they are much smarter than they are sometimes, probably. Uh, you know, maybe that's a that's a diss on <laughs> on um, Mr. Simone. But like, 
truly I find something so fascinating about this movie because like that puzzle motif does add so much. It's so simple, but this idea of like, when we talk about these maniac movies, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of sexually frustrated men, you know, taking out their frustrations the only way they know possible or the only way that like kind of brings any kind of solace to them or like, you know, just acting out in, in ways that they maybe don't understand themselves and things like that. And like, um, to me, this movie does have such an undercurrent of casual misogyny going on, uh, both on a production level and then on a story level. But even with Kendall, we talked about how many times that he is going from woman to woman, the way that they that he talks about women, the fact that he is going after Mary despite being 20 years older and in the middle of a fucking murder investigation when it's absolutely not the most appropriate time. You know, um, I mean, Kendall himself is collecting pieces, you know, if you want to talk about it in a crass way, pieces of ass like that is what he's doing. He and the killer are going around doing the same thing, penetrating people <laughs> uh, with phallic objects like, you know, uh, the chainsaw itself is such a great phallic symbol. Um, and this is a movie. But it's where funny it's not... that Kendall's cock is actually bigger than the chainsaw. Oh, uh, more intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. A more deadly <laughs> weapon. Absolutely. Um, so I just this movie has um, it has such strange elements in play. They're they're both confusing, detracting, but also elevating the movie at the same time for me. Um, it's it's stupid. It's racist at one point. Uh, it's overtly like genuinely perverted. But that all feeds proudly. into this weird, yes, proudly, proudly perverted. perverted. Absolutely, it it, but it all feeds into this weird idea that's going on with this ending of like we are putting together this woman, we're taking pieces of this of women and put making them into an ob, literally making them into an object, right? Of like the perfect woman that doesn't exist. And um, uh, well, I sorry to interrupt, but is it supposed to be a perfect woman, or is he just trying to recreate his mother? I mean, hey, even then, the fact that we can ask that question, right? Right. Well, uh, I guess, and that is another thing of, like, are all of us, is our own mother the perfect woman? Is that not what we're all trying, are looking for I mean, this is the thing. romantic lives? This is the thing. This this movie, to me, I, I have legit pondered over this movie and it's, like, meaning. And the fact that there's space to do that in this movie is fucking astounding because it is so trashy and so dumb and the acting is so all over the place in a very enjoyable way. But it is, like, absurd. It's an absurd fucking movie. But at the end of it, I'm like, you know what? What is, like, the meaning behind this thing? There's, like, a reasoning for some of this. Like, it's it's fucking crazy. And that, to me, is just my favorite type of, like, trashy horror movie is the one you can also, like, kind of sit and ponder about. As well as, like, be delighted by the fucking acting choices and the and the very silly score that, like, really does work sometimes. And do you know what? The fact that the body reanimates at the end and takes its vengeance on Kendall's dick, like, it's a fucking true blue Frankenstein movie. A corpse is that is stitched together reanimates and takes its vengeance on mankind. And by, by grabbing the dick of, like, you know... Uh, the, our main character like there's just so much weird shit in this that just works for me and like intentional or not i find it to be like a very fascinating movie for a lot of reasons like it's got great gore it's got very fun acting it's, it has all that crazy b-movie charm and it has like deeper thematic underpinnings that you know may have been an accident but are there for me and like do elevate this thing i'm going 4.5 wendy's burgers you know like 
this thing is fucking weird and it needs to be seen to be believed and for me it is just so entertaining like yeah i love it it's it's a it's a modern day modern day it came in the 80s it's a trasher piece it's like a you know it's, that's a good way to put it yeah <laughs> so do you believe that the ending is genuine or like a hallucination what's your take on it i think it's funnier if it's genuine i think it's just hilarious if we suddenly introduce in the final seconds of the movie a, a reanimated corpse and a supernatural aspect, yeah. But I can totally see, because it is a weird dreamlike thing, when the body falls out of the closet, it does like go into slow-mo and like fade to white, it feels like, I think I remember. So like I could easily see a dreamer interpretation with no problem. And to me, that to me, unlike Taxi Driver, it doesn't harm the overall message in the movie. So like uh I'm fine with it being a dream. If you want to see it that way, that's totally valid I, in my you opinion. Know, and I guess that that can bring us to like an an a topper question of like, was that the Dean's intention to bring all these pieces together and then reanimate them? Is that, I guess the goal did, I don't, did Dean even know that was going to happen? It was just an accident. Like, I don't know what the, the body or, you know, the corpse already seemed very put together. What was he going to do with Mary? Yeah. Good question. What, what piece did she need? I'm maybe right. like if we look at it, she's like missing one butt cheek or something, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> I I would think, well, you know, because it's 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 curious. You know, who would you pull pieces of? You know, it's the the studying person in the park. Well, okay, I'll take her head because she's smart. She's studying. Um, he takes <laughs> the go. bottom legs of the tennis players. Like, well, she's got nice legs. I can't argue with that. The swimmer does have a very nice torso, so. Not going to object there. Yeah. I don't know. Mary's got her tennis arms. Maybe he was... I don't know. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I got no clue. But um, all I do know is that I, I love this movie. And, like, every time I watch it, I get a little... Like, it goes up a little bit for me. So You like, get another I, little piece from it. Yeah. I got oh, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Greg, do you want to tell oh, us what we, we're going to be even, watching next week? On, we didn't even talk about the excellent, excellent poster and taglines for this movie. Oh, yeah. Um... The poster says, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. So just right away, writing off the coattails of other movies. And then right under the title, Pieces, which is all kind of like jagged and cut up, it says, it's exactly what you think it is. Which is such a fucking funny tagline. What a way. I I love it. Oh, man. We're not going to try to hide anything here. Yes. But yes, I do want to talk about what we're going to watch next week for Maniac March. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like a lot of these movies inspired by Psycho, that was one of the first movies to really delve into the mind of a killer and give you this kind of like, you know, interesting psychological profile of a maniac, um, which is probably an outdated term, but you know, whatever. Um, at the same year though, that Psycho was released, another film from some Brits was made exploring the mind of a deranged killer and playing around with uh, filmmaking techniques that would become standard for the genre. I am talking about Peeping Tom from 1960, directed by The Archers, the two directors, I cannot remember their names right now, but um, I think one was Michael Chapman. But anyway, uh, they are seminal horror film that became uh, retroactively like an icon of the genre. Uh yeah, we're going we're going back to being classy after pieces. Uh I'm excited. I've never seen this one actually. 
So yeah, it's cool. I've been I've been reading to rewatch it for years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be a lot to talk about. Well, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. You can always contact us. We have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We also have Twitter and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. So hit us up. Let us know if you have any nude puzzles you can send us, preferably without any blood already on them. Um, if you've ever yeah, screamed we'll bastard to the heavens three times in a row... <laughs> Uh, after seeing someone murdered please let us know if you've ever had sex and smoked pot on a waterbed at the same time uh give me a call baby Uh, (laughs) until next time uh, hold on what was it um hey so i'm slayed by a withering look who gives a shit i mean you just said it but it bears repeating the most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time Bye. Bye.